I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. And today, well, today it's time to put something slightly different through its paces. So, so I, I would say some listeners may have caught on by now, but me and you have a brand new show that we're very, very excited about. Absolutely. So it should be no surprise to a lot of people who have been listening to our many, many F1 chats over the mm-hmm. last couple of years that Formula One has really become a huge passion for both yourself and I. I think it's something that, you know, we're always texting every qualifying and every mm-hmm. race. And, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's ultimately taken over a huge part of not only just our sort of personal friendship but also what's really mm-hmm. become a huge part of the show at this point. Yeah, like, so for me with podcasting, one of the things I love about it, and this isn't the same for everyone, but it is that way for me, is I get to talk to my closest friends about things that I care about the most. And I would say for our friendship, the most dominant thing that we talk about from like a hobby perspective is Formula One. And so at this point, <laughs> if we're going to make a podcast together, Really, it should be a Formula One show because I absolutely like I'm just overtaken by joy for this hobby, this sport and getting to talk to you about it honestly is basically all I want to do. So (laughs) we have a brand new show called The Backmarkers, which by the time well, actually, I was going to say by the time you're hearing this, when you're hearing this, you're actually going to hear the first episode. So what we're going to do is this is the end of the test drivers. We want to thank everyone for listening to the show over the last two years. It has been an absolute joy to put together, um, but ultimately the two of us can only make one show because we're both busy people. You have a thousand offices and 600 employees to look after. Uh, so, you know, you got some stuff going on. I got 600 podcasts I got to record already. There's only so many hours in a day. And we really hope that there are many of you listening that have become Formula One fans or could. I really recommend, if you have yet to check out anything, go and watch Drive to Survive, the Netflix Absolutely. show. That's what turned me and Austin back onto the sport. I think we'd both watched it when we were kids. It was like a family thing for me. It was always on, but I never really got into it. But it was kind of funny, really, because the first time that we met in person, before the back markers, uh, before the test drivers <laughs> began, uh, you recommended that me and my wife had, you know, watch Drive to Survive. And we did, and we got absolutely hooked. And then we got into the 2020 season. We watched all the 2021 season. And now the 2022 Formula One season is about to, go, it's about to start. So I really recommend there are now four seasons of Drive to Survive, which you can watch. It's an incredible show, and it really gets you in to the drama, fun, and excitement that Formula One can bring. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things where it's become such a huge phenomenon. And in fact, if you've never watched or been interested in Formula One in the past, now I think is really a great time, not only for us yep. to start the backmarkers, but also for a new fan to get in. This is the first time in almost a decade that they've completely redesigned the cars. And mm-hmm. from what we've already seen, there are huge shakeups. And especially with that sort of backdrop of Drive to Survive bringing so much new sort of interest and engagement in the sport, I think it makes a ton of sense. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think doing the test drivers has been an absolutely incredible experience. The fact that we made 50 episodes is crazy to Amazing. me. Amazing. Yeah, so but cool. at the end of the day, we both have other avenues that we talk about tech a lot, mm-hmm. right? But Formula yes. One, I think, has just absolutely taken over, I think. And considering how excited we are and how much there is to talk about, 
there's a lot that I'm really amped about for the back markers. Also, I think something else that I think we're both excited about is a different format. So yeah. if you've listened to the test drivers so far, you'll know that we lightly edit the show. I mean, usually we take a couple minutes out of a, an hour recording. It's pretty close live, but it's not quite. But what we're doing with the back markers is very different. We're actually going to be live streaming after every single Formula One race on YouTube first. So you can watch the show live. You can see my okay face and Mike's beautiful beard. And you oh, can see on. us discuss <laughs> the latest races yep. every single, well, not necessarily every single Sunday because they take some weeks off, but we're going to be live. Every Sunday there is it. a race. Exactly. That's how it's going to work. So we're going to be live, as Austin says, every Sunday, as soon as we can from when the checkered flag is waved. And we'll be giving our live reactions to all of the action that has occurred on Sunday. And sometimes what happened on Friday and Saturday, depending on how exciting it might have been. Uh, so you'll be able to check us out on YouTube. The best way, the easiest way to remember, you go to backmarkers.live and it will take us to the YouTube page. But then we will be releasing after the live stream, a video and audio version of the show. So we're going to, you know, we will be live and then once the live stream is ended we're going to put those together and we'll release them both uh, in a new feed which you can find on the relay fm website of course there will be links in the show notes for this uh, and then also to, on our youtube channel as well so whether you prefer audio or whether you prefer video we have an option for you now which i'm really really excited about yeah it's going to be a uh, an interesting endeavor we've spent a lot of time yep. sort of the last few months getting this stuff prepped behind the scenes because mm -hmm. neither of us have ever really done a show quite like this with especially with no. the video component so i've uh, never done a video <laughs> podcast before this is absolutely <laughs> brand new for me which i'm also really excited about um as a new medium to try like and you know we are a video podcast in the way that you've seen video podcasts over 2020 and beyond right because we're not in the same place uh but i think by now we've got like a really good handle on how to do it technically the, the video looks awesome we're really really excited about it uh, by the way the name the Backmarkers is actually like a fun thing for us to try and explain the kind of show that we're going to be. So in Formula One, a Backmarker is somebody who, whilst during the race, is overtaken by other people in the race. So like, you know, if someone's doing really great in first place, they're going to start overtaking the slower races as they go around the track. And so what I thought about and what we were thinking about with backmarkers is they are not the most experienced people on the grid, but they have the most heart because no matter what, they're still going to finish that race, right? They're going to see people go by them, but it doesn't matter. They're going to finish. And that's where me and Austin are coming from with this show. We do not have decades of experience in Formula One. We have been watching the sport, me for three years, you for a little bit more. So, but what we want to bring to it is that new fan perspective so we are an f1 podcast for new fans by new fans and we really hope that you're going to check it out this episode of the test drivers is brought to you by mint mobile if saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2022 why are you still paying high amounts of money every month for wireless switching to mint mobile is the easiest way to save this year as as the first company to sell premium wireless service online only mint mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just 15 dollars a month one of the great things about mint mobile which i know austin will agree is it's so easy. It's so easy, so fast to get switched over to Mint Mobile. You're kind of wasting your time and your money by not doing it, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things where you can order it, you get a SIM card directly shipped to you in the mail. In a matter of just a few minutes, you're up and running with not only those great speeds, but also those great savings. 
So for people looking for extra savings this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone of any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Choose the amount of monthly data that's right for you and stop paying for data that you never use. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get that plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash testdrivers. That's mintmobile.com slash testdrivers. Go there now and cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. That is mintmobile.com slash testdrivers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. This episode is also brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Your business starts with a domain name, and, so f- and for so many entrepreneurs, Hover is that first big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it, and they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have, and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information, a really clean user experience so it's super easy to register and manage your domains and monthly sales on popular top level domains it's super easy to see why hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses when we were getting ready to launch the backmarkers i went straight to hover and bought a bunch of domains backmarkers.live backmarkers.fm they were both bought on hover and they're really easy to set up those forwards to go to the places i needed them to go to we know that you love great user experiences and things that work straight out of the box, so I know you're going to appreciate Hover. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash testdrivers and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time is hover.com slash testdrivers. Make a name for yourself with Hover. A thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Austin, to give uh, Test Drivers listeners a flavor for what the back market is going to be, I figured we would give them our first episode recorded pretty much straight after the first se- uh, first race of the season, right? Absolutely. And if you enjoy this, make sure to go subscribe over on the Backmarkers feed, which of course we'll have in the show notes as well as available at Relay FM, or you can go watch on YouTube as well. But without further ado, as the kids say, enjoy the first episode of the Backmarkers. Welcome to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by Austin Evans. Hi, Austin. What a race. Mike, what did we even begin with this one? Oh, Oh, I am so happy. Uh, You know, we're going to break down all of the action from the first race of the 2022 season, the Bahrain Grand Prix. But I'll say it's in the middle. I was like, okay, this has been fun. There's some stuff. You know, we got some stuff to talk about anyway. We can talk about where we think the rest of the season's going to go. But then all hell broke (laughs) loose, baby. Look, so I'll ask you, do you want to start by talking about the end? Or do you want to start by talking about the start? What do you want to do? We got to talk about the end. I mean, you're right. It was like... 30 laps of, mm-hmm. you know, decent racing. And, you know, especially at the beginning, I was really happy that, oh, the car's really able to, you know, sort of follow really closely and, you know, reliability seems good. Yep. And then all the Red Bull cars just caught on fire immediately. Like Pierre, we had yep. uh, Max, we had Checo. 
Uh, I, I, Yuki must just be uh, very happy that he actually crossed the finish line. Because I mean, if wow. I was Yuki Sonoda, I would have been terrified <laughs> coming towards the end, right? Like, so this was something I didn't realize this until like a few minutes after the race, where I was like, "Oh, it all started with Pierre," and yeah. like realizing that these are all Red Bull cars, right? So, what? What do you remember? What lap was it roughly that Pierre went out? It was kind of like lap fifty or something like that, right? Yeah, it was about. 13, 15 laps to go or so because it was right after everyone decided to do their very final stops. And then yep. he straight up caught on fire, though, which I don't think the Max or Checo went. did. No. I mean, and you also see, you could see it from the uh, like the onboard camera that his the screen on his wheel went out. Like, his car just completely died and he pulled off to the side, then realized it was on fire. It was I mean, you know, I'm very happy that he was fine, but it is a little bit funny like to just watch him. He's just like, I'm Get it out of here. <laughs> well, like, he is just bolting out of that car. Look, I don't like to see a car on fire at that part uh-uh. of the track. It gives me some, some bad flashbacks. But Yeah, we don't man, want even want to think about it. Uh, what a brutal race for Red Bull. Because like, Max had decent pace. I don't think he was really going to be able to challenge Charles. And I think no. that last stop seemed like it was a little bit more of a why not kind of thing than something yes. that would actually be able to challenge. Yep. But the fact that the cars made it, like, what, 55 or 57 laps? Ben. Yeah. <laughs> it it was, was incredible. I, I don't even know where to begin. But shout the way out to Perez Lewis. went out as well. The way Perez went out, like spinning, like Lewis and George just squeaked by him. Right. Yeah. Like it was kind of incredible, honestly. Like, and it shows the reactions that some of these guys have in these moments to just, you know, they're ready and, and going out. I mean, as well, I mean, Perez. I mean, maybe they were aware too, right? Like, watch out for Perez because obviously they're aware that Max is gone. And I think Perez was starting to complain, right, that there's something wasn't feeling right. So maybe they're like keeping, you know, like they're really focusing on what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, he basically it seemed like his car locked almost in a similar way to Pierre, except it seemed like as he went into the corner, whatever happened that shut down seemed like it locked his rear wheels because he just spun around. The car was totally dead, which I guess oh. that's a decent spot to do it. But I don't think he like spun. I think he's literally like his car locked up. I have to go see the oh. replay, but that was uh, that could that. But it was obviously so, uh, avoided. Okay. So I guess it Perez had more of a failure like Gasly then because Max was able to bring it in. Right, like for, so, something weird has happened, and I will say, how mad is that? Right, that they had a car that could go fifty-six laps no more. Yeah, yeah. Which right? I mean, I guess it's good to figure this stuff out at the first Grand Prix, but it's clearly they were having some hydraulic issues, some electrical issues, something was going on. But if you just kind of take a step back from that, I think my biggest takeaway of the entire race: these new regulations seem to have worked. The cars were able to yes. follow the oh DRS. Maybe needs to be tuned a little bit here and there, but I feel like it was always sort of a problem before. It actually seems like it's really fairly competitive. And yep. the yep. shakeup that's happened within the midfield and some teams maybe fell off a little harder. But I don't think that I was... I tried to go into this with a little bit of lower expectations, and I was mm-hmm. very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, like honestly, like I cannot believe the closeness that was occurring during the race. And like it was really brought out, I think it was after either the first or second pit stop where, you know, I think it may have been the first pit when Leclerc and uh, Verstappen were just one after another, like backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards. That was some of the most thrilling racing I've seen in a long time. Like they were, it was really, really exciting. 
Yeah, I if that was a taste, just like we had last year, a taste of what we have to expect with Charles and Max going head to head. Oh man, because it's like you know, watching last year, watching Max and Lewis go back and forth. They have very different styles, right? Max yep. is hyper aggressive. You can tell Lewis is you know he's he's done a few races. He kind of has a little bit more of experience and knows typically when to back off and when to kind of go for a little bit more. Yep. But you look at Leclerc and you look at Verstappen, there's nothing between it. They're just like, oh, full send, 100% of the time, no question. Like, it's great to see. Uh, but man, a couple of those dive bombs was like, woo! <laughs> yeah, it was really like, man. And uh, there was somewhere I genuinely thought that Max was just, he was just going off the track. It almost felt like, uh, it felt like he didn't stop. Like the camera couldn't even keep up with him. Yeah, some of those camera angles were a little bit strange, seeing kind of from that side angle. Like, I know there's one time where uh, Kevin Magnuson, he kind of went deep. And from the camera angle, it didn't look too bad. And you see, like, the, mm-hmm. the overhead just like, oh, okay, gotcha. He's, like, 20 feet out to the left. But it was incredibly exciting to see good racing because, it, obviously, with big regulations like this, if, you know, the cars weren't able to follow well or they couldn't pass or slipstreams, there's all these things that could have gone wrong. It's super nice to see that we should be... I don't want to go and say something like we're going to be on for a, a legendary season like last year, but at the very least, it seems like we're in for a really competitive season. And seeing the cars follow so closely and actually doing you know passes, not just with DRS, you know, you see people kind of passing different parts of the track and just staying mm-hmm. right behind each other. I was so, so happy to see that. So if that's the only thing we take away from this race, much less all the reliability, I'll be really yep. excited to see what happens for the rest of this year. Yeah, I'm really into it. Like, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I was kind of wondering, like, what is the ultimate result going to be from all of these regulation changes, right? Like, how is it actually going to end up being? Obviously, as a big Mercedes fan, I've been a little bit concerned, right? Like, it seemed like it maybe impacted them in in a not great way. Uh, But I was very excited to see that ultimately what it's meant is it has shaken up the pack completely and it is allowing these cars to drive more closely together, which is what we were promised, right? Like that was what we were promised before this season. That's the reason why we were doing this. And ultimately, I do think it's going to lead to throughout the rest of this season, just some really exciting races. Now, I think we should talk just real quickly about Ferrari. One, two. I'm so happy for Charles Leclerc, especially like... I I think Charles Leclerc seems like a really great guy. He's incredibly talented. Um, he's clearly, you know, like Ferrari see him and have seen him for years. as like he is a Ferrari driver through and through, right? Like this guy has got it. But they have not been able to give him a car that could show off his skill. And I think today he destroyed this race. Like yeah, he had did. it in his hands the entire time i mean of course he performed excellently in qualifying right so really the whole weekend belonged to charlotte claire yeah absolutely i think going into it the competitive order you know there's a lot of speculation you know we're ferrari holding back we're Red Bull holding back the answer is they seem to be both holding a little bit but also fairly even but seeing just how well-rounded that ferrari is it feels like it is really the full package again yep. we've got to see more tracks we'll see a little bit of a wider picture but so far they've got to feel super super solid some of the other things i'm really curious to see as far as how the leclerc and the science dynamic is going to play uh, I think that the two of those, I, I know we've talked about this a lot in the past. To me, that feels like that's one of the strongest, if not the very best driver pairing in F1 right now. I think that they complement each other well. They're both super, super sharp. So it'll be curious to see if uh, a certain red team starts employing you know, maybe some team orders, maybe trying to push oh. a little bit here and there. Yeah. I know we're one race in. I don't think we're going to see that yet. 
But wouldn't anyone be that surprised? Like, I just hope that they both actually are able to have a real shot at it. It's not just the Leclerc show all year long. Because that would be, I think, a huge disservice to Carlos. Yeah, and honestly, like, I obviously you say one race in. I think it is too close to call that. Because Sainz, you know, obviously he took advantage of a situation today. But there is nothing to say that he wouldn't have taken for Schnappen. Like, he had, yeah. he also had a very good race. Like, who knows what might have occurred? Like, that could have been signs one way or another anyway. Um, it's going to be intriguing to see if this continues for, our, for Ferrari, which currently it's looking like they are probably the season favorite at this very early stage, you know? Like... <sighs> Everyone, you know, lots of people have been been putting their money on Ferrari, right? Because it seems like they would just been performing great, and I think as well, a lot of people want Ferrari to have a great season. You know, I think it helps them wanting to say like, "Oh yeah, they're my favorite." But it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out for them, and to see who ends up becoming the dominant, because it could be weeks away. You know, signs could flip that out just as easily as Charles did today. Yeah, and I hope so. I hope that they have a really fruitful battle. You know what, though, that really I think. <laughs> I mean, come on, McLaren. I, I I knew that they were on the back foot going into this week, but that was uh, that was that was tough to watch. That was. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, what was actually the final? I actually should check to see what the final finishing order was because uh, it was uh, Lando fifteenth, Daniel fourteenth, and that is with three yeah. Red Bulls, or I guess uh, two Red Bulls and Alpha Tauri, who all kind of pushing yep. the up the order. Like that's that's tough to get around. Do they have? a clear shot at recovery obviously i think they've got a long way to go but do you think mclaren can get back up in the top Um, of that midfield because i'm gonna say yes because i want to have faith for them i think you know like i was hearing everyone say today and i've been hearing people say it the whole weekend McLaren had brake problems, right? They were having overheating brake problems and they couldn't test as long. Ricardo was, uh, had COVID, couldn't test for as much. My hope is that this is a combination between porpoising issues, people not understanding the Mercedes power unit as well, and a lack of testing, which has brought them down so low. Because I would struggle to feel like, like McLaren would be that low, like just based on the last few years. It, it would really surprise me to see, I mean, who like, <laughs> like we, you know, Aston being above them, like that, mm. you know, like Stroll's above them. Albon is above both of them in the Williams, who had a great race, by the way, today. Yeah. Alex Albon had a great race, but... I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I would want to call call it dead for McLaren this early. Yeah, I think a big part of it to me is there are a lot of Mercedes-powered cars that are very far down the order. And I don't think that you can just sort of mark that up of like, oh, you know, they yeah. just were down down power. Obviously, but I think Mercedes that was aren't, though. Mercedes are Mercedes-powered. And <laughs> they're third and fourth today. They would have been fifth and sixth, probably, or fourth and sixth or something around that area so i know what you're saying but there is something to be said for they can pull the car design back they can make error changes potentially to see them pulled up more i don't know yeah it just seems like at the moment mclaren are just lacking pace obviously they haven't had as much time in testing and they've got the brake issues and they've got uh, uh seems like a suboptimal power unit at the moment so a lot of things going against them that uh, paired with the fact that Ferrari have made such a huge step that's really pulled Haas and Alpha really sort of out of the, the depths of the, of the backfield and really kind of up into the, in the fight. 
I think it's going to be really interesting to see the development because we have to remember that these power units are going to be frozen before too much longer, right? So we're going to have whatever the order is, vaguely, I think will kind of remains to be seen because I know there's a little bit of leeway for teams to adjust for, you know, reliability reasons and stuff. But if Ferrari are able to keep this sort of hugely dominant amount of power, I think it's going to be a really interesting thing. And it's going to be a huge, huge help to the other Ferrari teams because, I don't know, man. It's just, it's so hard to sort of make too many decisions based on one race, right? We have to keep in mind, this is Mm -hmm. the very first race. There's so much development that's going to be going on over the next few months and sort of really throughout the year. But I think that McLaren and Aston are really on the back foot. And I'm kind of a little bit disappointed that Williams, they did okay, but it seemed like they were very much kind of keeping with the the back of the field pace that they've had the last couple of years and i don't know to me i was kind of hoping that they were able able to make a little bit of a step obviously that's a really difficult thing for them to do but mercedes powered cars seem like they have a a tall task over the next few months of trying to get some pace back in their vehicles you know you mentioned williams hoping that they'll be able to recover i I feel like it's probably time to talk about haas now because how fantastic i I'm so, so happy for them. You know, obviously they've had a terrible two years. They've had a really complicated and tricky last couple of months, right? In needing to drop their title sponsor and having to let uh, Mazepin go. And then bringing Kevin Magnussen in the 11th hour and then him today scoring fifth. Best of the rest Oh my God. Unbelievable. (laughs) Truly amazing. It's great to see, I think, on so many ways, places, because you're right, like, obviously Haas have had an incredibly difficult few years, and, I mean, they had an incredibly difficult preseason, right? I mean, they lost a driver in between the first and second tests, right? But the fact that they got Magnussen back, the fact that they have the great power unit, and the fact that they just seem to have built a pretty solid car. Now, I will not be surprised if they maybe lose a little bit of pace uh, relative to the others. I think they're probably not going to be able to keep up the same level of development as everyone else this year. It's just kind of my sort of thought. So this might be sort of PCAST that we see. Even if that's the case, it is a huge step up from them being two, three, four seconds off the pace like they've been at some races uh, yeah. throughout the last couple of years. Uh, also, just shout out to Gunther. I just feel like he needs he needs a break, and I feel like this this has gotta this gotta give him uh, some of the some of the good feels. They're P three in the constructors right now. Like, what? <laughs> I can't even imagine the language that came out of Gunther Steiner today. I don't even want to know. I mean, this is the thing. Does he swear more or less when he's happy? I guess we have to wait for Drive to Survive to find out, right? <laughs> oh, God. It uh, is unbelievable. The constructors right now, Ferrari, Mercedes, Haas, Alfa Romeo, Alpine, Alfa Tauri. They're the only point scorers and an Aston Williams, McLaren, Red Bull. Wow. <laughs> only a zero right now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It is wild. So some of the other things that I think were interesting to kind of talk about throughout the whole race. So I think these cars, not only they look great, but also I feel like some of the liveries uh, to me, and it's a small point, but some of the liveries to me actually really kind of popped under the lights. Mm, I still yes. love the Ferrari as you totally the know. The brown Ferrari. It's not a brown Ferrari. It's, it's, it's a brown. beautiful looking car. It's, it's Fer- a brown Ferrari, which is a real shame because I like Ferraris when they're red personally. Like that's my... My personal fit, like feeling around Ferraris is Ferraris look best when they're red, not brown. But hey, you know you can. Okay, well, sure. 
Red is the color of an F1 car in my head because, you know, that's how I grew up. But uh, mm-hmm. on top of that, I think it's nice to just sort of see the fact that there were also a lot of interesting strategies that we saw this time around, yeah. right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. three stop, I don't think a lot of people expected that. But also, it's interesting to see how the different teams are getting on top. And really almost more so the drivers are getting on top of the different dynamics with these new vehicles. Those tires and the porpoising and stuff, there seemed yes. like a lot of stuff that drivers are a little bit struggling with. And you could see that certain mm-hmm. people were kind of a little bit more bold on things and really kind of really throwing it in going really deep whereas other people specifically like looked like the the mercedes were a little bit less uh confident on things just because mm. they didn't really have the trust in the car that it would stop or whatever the case is and yeah i think it'll be interesting to see as not only the cars are developing but also as the drivers develop over the next few months to see just sort of where that confidence level comes in because the cars are stiff right and i know bahrain is not maybe the the smoothest track in the world but you can see it looks like a really uncomfortable ride and you can imagine if you're bouncing around and you don't trust that oh this you know hard compound oh it's gonna lock up or whatever like it does seem like one of those things where a lot of the sort of gains are going to be coming not only from the confidence but also from the vehicles yeah, I mean, you're saying about the pit stops. Uh, it, they seemed erratic today. Mm. It could, there seemed to be a lot of very peculiar pit stops happening at weird times as the teams were trying to understand what these tires were going to do for their cars under any given circumstance. You know, like uh, Mercedes pulled in very early, very early to change onto the hard tire and then had to abandon that later on in the race. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it, it was. It, it would seem to be a lot of uh, trepidation from the teams as to which tires to be using at any given moment, um, which was, again, it's just they're trying to understand how these bigger, heavier cars are going to handle things. You know, like maybe the thought was, I guess the thought was, well, we'll go on the hard now. Maybe we'll only need two stop, uh, one stop, and we can go to the end. But they realize that we're just losing way too much speed right now, where we're going to end up needing to do that three stop later on. It was it was intriguing to see Mercedes trying to pull out a strategy, right? Like they figured they had to try and do something different today. Um, and that one clearly was not the, the, the one for them. And McLaren tried it as well and had similar results, I think. Yeah, I do not envy the crews. Those wheels and tires look heavy, right? I mean... Yes. Obviously, I think the old ones were not exactly light, but I mean that's a big tire and wheel, and I think it's yeah, going to take slow, quite slow a while. Slow pit stops across the board, like today, absolutely, which I'm not surprised about. Like you know, and there were some faster than others, of course, but like no one was hitting close to sub two second times today. You know, like even even Red Bull, I think, hit a three second at one point, which is very peculiar for that team. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll probably speed up a little bit, but I don't know if we'll see sub two again. Just those wheels are heavy, man. I mean. I don't know. Maybe they'll, you know, everyone will just hit, do a couple more reps in the gym uh, and just the sort pit, of yeah. throw them on. But like, yeah. oh man, just the pit crews just all get <laughs> jacked, you know. It's just all gonna get just big, big guys down there in the pit. Like that's just the way they're gonna have to do it. I do love the look of it though. Those big wheels, like I know it's a bit contentious. I love the big wheels. Uh, I love the are they called tire walls? Is that what they're called? The sidewalls, like, the big hubcaps. Oh yeah. Oh. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know exactly what they're called, but like, I, I really love it. I love the look at the color on them, and it's spring. I don't know. It just it looks pretty futuristic to me, um, in a way that I kind of really enjoy. Just the cars in general, the curves and stuff. Like they are really looking good, and I agree with what you said a minute ago that under the lights, because so many deliveries are metallic, like in the finish, it looked really excellent today. I'm intrigued to see how it'll look different. You know, I think. Uh, we spoke about this before on our previous podcast of Test Drivers about you know the McLaren was definitely a fave for us both. And I think the McLaren will probably look especially good in daytime. I reckon it will stand out more there. So I'm intrigued to see how that goes over the next couple of months or whatever from the look perspective. 
Yeah, they just might want to reconsider that Chrome sponsorship. I feel like they just load a few too many tabs up. It just wasn't it wasn't That's their good. day. That's good. You've been, you've been working on that one for a while, right? I, I saw a meme where somebody it. replaced it with the Internet Explorer logo, <laughs> which I really enjoyed and kind of felt pretty bad for them for. But yeah, I mean, I've got to, I just feel so bad for for McLaren today. Like, if I'm, they are the ones that I'm feeling the most for. I will say, I've also got like a pain in my heart for Michael Schumacher today a mick schumacher i mick. should say yeah well, i felt pretty bad for mick today you know what though i don't feel so terrible mostly just because i think he has a good car underneath him he has a good Dude, benchmark so for the close so but, close look, and we yeah. should say actually to uh joe Ganyu, as a rookie scoring points in his first race like so you know if mick wasn't gonna get them joe Ganyu, i like that he got them instead right it was obviously a fight between the two of them to get into that 10th position right at the end and that is pretty incredible like to just come out and, and on your rookie first like race to score any points is pretty awesome so i think that's a i i expect you know alpha are very excited today very happy for a bunch of reasons that's got to be one of them i think they've got a great racer there it looks like yeah, it was a really sort of solid, wasn't a really dramatic race for him, but he was able to get the job done. And as a rookie, he was able to bring it home and no. get points. I mean, you cannot complain about that. No. Uh, some of the other things I think were a little bit more surprising to me. I mean, maybe not surprising, but Valtteri had an interesting race because he was down well. I think it was like P15 or 16 at one he point. He had a pretty bad start. Yeah, but he really worked his way up I think he got pushed off the well. track. I, th I think there was a, an incident um and that that yeah and he was basically showing the form that he's been showing the whole weekend like Valtteri had a great weekend he looked good in in practice he had a great qualifying uh you know to be qualifying up with Lewis which is really funny you know like just <laughs> hand bot right there it's like oh nothing changed uh you know so and I'm I'm really pleased like you know it was a concern right that moving to Alpha that Valtteri, you know, is a great driver and he's now going to be sitting down the bottom of the pack. And luckily with all the shakeup going on this year, it looks like that might not be the case. And he could be really good, like sitting for the next few years of his career, kind of mid in the pack with Alfa Romeo, which I think is going to be great for him. And to be the kind of the experienced like legend to help the rookie driver on, I think that this could be a great move for Valtteri while still scoring a bunch of points. Yeah, absolutely. I think... You could not have imagined this switch going better. I know I was really, really pessimistic about the move in uh, Alpha specifically before preseason. I just was not convinced that they really had things put together. I think they are being flattered by that Ferrari power unit. I think that there's you do have to give some credit to that. But also, it seems like they have a pretty solid car, right? And I think yep. having Bottas behind the wheel is a huge asset to the team. They've got the new rookie. Like it seems like they're on at least pace to do fairly well, maybe mid midfield. I know it's kind of hard to make too many predictions. Although I think we might mm -hmm. be making some actual predictions later, but we yeah, are going to. Yes. 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 Uh, now that we have some one very exciting race of, uh, of information to go on, but it's interesting to see kind of some of the other storylines that were in the race, because not mm -hmm. only do we have the, explosive uh, Red Bull power unit failures, which I think it's easy to assume that, you know, oh, they'll just, you know, throw a bit more cooling or fix the hydraulic or whatever the actual full problem was. But the fact that the three cars spectacularly fail like that so close to the end, that that's that's tough to swallow, right? I mean, it's, yep. it's one thing, one or two, but like three of the four Red Bull yep. power unit vehicles all gave out right at the end. Ah, I mean... Obviously, first race, you know, you, you learn a lot, but 
doesn't uh, doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence going into the season that they've really got the the power unit side of things sorted out. Hopefully not, but yeah. I would be worried if I was Red Bull, right? Now, of course, they've got best part of a week to try and get things under control. But, I mean, you've got to assume going into next week, you would maybe be asking for them to take it carefully maybe to i don't know like is this going to be something that they're going to be bringing into next week's race timid i i, I would be really intrigued to see how that's going to end up i'm not sure yeah because like, it's one thing like mercedes i feel they've been talking a big game about how you know obviously they're you know sort of disappointed with how things have gone as far as how their development is but they seem like they or at least they're projecting that they know the problem and they just got to work out how to fix it which fair enough i think you know porpoising is something that a lot of teams are dealing with but for reliability, of course, there's always ways of just, you know, turning it down a little bit. But no one wants to spend all this time and money trying to get tons of power out of your power unit and go, oh, well, let's just run it at eight tenths because, you know, we want to just be safe. I mean, that's a yep. huge, huge blow. So I'm sure they'll sort it out. And again, if it's hydraulics, maybe it's a little bit disconnected. But the fact that, you know, we've seen all three vehicles kind of give out like that was, man, that was that was tough to watch. It's worrying, right? It's worrying. Yeah, I'd be curious to see because it seemed like both Pierre and I guess Checo had a little bit of a of a heads up beforehand, but it seemed like Max actually was fighting with it for a while. Maybe that was flattered by the fact that he was doing a fair few laps under the safety car, but it seems like Max had two issues. I think there were two things going on with Max because you know, obviously the other guys they just had complete engine failures and Max was having some kind of steering problem. I mean, I- it seems intriguing to me if those things could be linked in any way. I don't know, right? Like, I understand this thing maybe a hydraulics issue, right, for the steering. But then why did Pierre and, like, how would that cause Pierre and, and uh, Perez's cars to absolutely give up, like, completely shut down and catch on fire, <sighs> right, in Pierre's case, right? Like, and yeah, very intrigued, right? Like, there's something weird going on there, and you've got, I mean, how many days? Four or five days, realistically, to do something about that? Like, that's going to be... I mean, I'm going to really be interested to see what Red Bull have to say about this over the coming days. Where, as you said, even before the race, you know, Toto's talking about the fact, like, we know what our problems are. We're putting plans in place. Every time we get in the car, we learn more and get better. Like, that's a different story, right? And who knows, right? Maybe in three races time, both Mercedes just completely kaput. Right, like because it's not like Red Bull newness is going to happen. Honestly, I was expecting more of this kind of stuff today. I am surprised, honestly, how few teams had a problem like this. I was expecting someone's brakes to catch on fire, right? Because yeah. it was overheat, but nothing else really happened. It was just, and it was funny. It was all really condensed because we're about three quarters way through the race. And I'm like, I cannot believe we've not had at least one safety car today, right? That no one's having any issues because I was just assuming brand. Everyone's got brand new cars. Something's going to go wrong, and it is a surprise to me that it took so long and it was so contained to what's going in the Red Bulls. Yeah, yeah, no, I fully expected someone to be on fire by the end of the first lap. Like, I was like, oh, surely yep. something's going to go wrong. I, I mean, say- I, 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 I turned to my wife and was like, do you think one of them might not make it around the formation lap? Like, <laughs> you never know, right? It's happened before. <laughs> Look, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think one of the things that uh, was a pleasant surprise was the fact that people seem to 
adapt to the cars pretty well. I mean, obviously these are yeah. very different. I think mean, the visibility even with, you know, the larger sort of tires and wheels, you've got the little like wheel fairings and stuff. I know for me, if I was ever in that car, I'd be like, I can't see anything, but it seemed like everyone was able to adjust well. The wheel to wheel battles, people were still fairly confident and mm. you didn't see like kind of people like chopping across like the, the front wings and stuff. Like people were aggressive, but it was, it seems like everyone was able to get up to speed pretty quickly, which is impressive considering that, you know, everyone had what, a handful of days in testing and then here you go, first race and, Maybe there's a little bit more confidence to be gained as far as, you know, that wheel-to-wheel stuff. But from the outside, it looked like everyone was feeling pretty good and really able to to go for it pretty aggressively. Talking about the visibility and, like, of the cars, what, do you th- what did you think about the, uh, like, the helmet camera? Oh, it's amazing. Like they, they're using that a lot more. I remember, it looks a lot better now than it did because I think they were testing it a little bit uh, in, the, in last season, right? They, they, I was seeing some tests of it, I think. They were putting it on some people on the occasional race, but not really showing too much footage of it. But now the quality of it looks better. And I think it's a great season to have brought it in because it does really demonstrate something that they're trying to get across, which is these wheels being so much higher now. They have like I think I think uh, Martin Brundle said at one point it's like looking through a letterbox, <laughs> right? And it's just like they have this tiny window with a big chunk in the middle that they can't even see through. Like it, it's kind of incredible how. And this was another thing I was expecting that maybe more of them are going to be bumping into each other today. Cars are bigger, limited visibility. Again, I think it's a testament to these drivers today that there were not some accidents on the court, on the race. I was really expecting more of that, and that, that just didn't happen today. Yeah, and it's, uh, other things to consider. You know, I mean, these cars are heavy, right? I mean, when they're loaded up with fuel, I think someone quoted like almost like nine hundred kilos, which is just ridiculous. So, seeing the way that they've adapted, also just seeing the way that you have to kind of treat the cars a little different. Obviously, yep. setups and stuff are different, but you know, th- seeing like people like weaving in the middle of the race to get like temperature in their tires—that's not something you sort of expect to see. And I think there's gonna no. be a lot. Who was more... it that did that? Was it Stroll? I think it was Lance. Yeah, I think it was Lance. Yeah. But. I, I think it'll be interesting to see sort of as the tires, because obviously tires are always a huge factor. Everyone always wants better and better and better and, you know, probably are doing their thing. But it's no one, there's never going to be a perfect tire. But it will be interesting to see how the different cars and the drivers are able to adjust to different compounds as well, because it does seem like these work in a different way. That being said, though, I didn't see anyone who had like sort of completely horrible performance or chewed up their tires. It seemed like these tires have held up fairly well, which is also nice to see. Like, again... I feel like I tried to go into the season with low expectations. Like, okay, you know, things yep. are going to go wrong. Maybe the racing's not going to be good. Like, just, you know, new cars, lots of ways that this could go wrong. But it just seems like, generally speaking, everything has gone fairly smoothly, unless you're Christian Horner. And everything is also oh. sort of held up well <laughs> on, on vehicles. <laughs> I mean, you just said, look, we bring biases to the show. You're going to hear it over the next 22 episodes. You're going to hear our biases. Mike Hurley doesn't like Red Bull, <laughs> doesn't like Christian Horner, doesn't like Max Verstappen very much. Perez I enjoy. Perez, friend of the show, through you, Sergio Perez. Love, love Perez. Not a big fan of Christian Horner. To imagine that he is going through a pretty rough afternoon right now brings me a little bit of joy. I'm not oh, lie. Mike. I, I, look, man, you, you, you might not be a fan, but I feel like it's hard for anyone to lose races like that, especially that. Oh, terrible. Yeah. I feel terrible for the Red Bull team. Don't feel terrible for Christian Horner. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. I can't help you. I feel terrible for all of the engineers, you know, everyone back at the factories, and Sergio Perez. I feel terrible for him. Max, a little bit. 
a yeah. little bit. He did Christian, have a little bit of, no, a, of a diva moment in the middle. Like, oh my God. Never tell me go slow again. <laughs> I've never listened so to you, bad. Dad. <laughs> he was having a lot of those moments as well. Like, he was very upset. <laughs> like, I'm never going to do that again. Uh, he was very upset, which was, I don't know, it's kind of funny to me. I'm gonna, not going to lie. So, this show is called The Backmarkers, right? And in case you don't know, Backmarkers are the drivers at the back of the pack. These are the people who, throughout the course of the race, they are lapped by the race leaders. I would expect a lot of uh, Formula One fans, if they started last season, are very familiar with backmarkers because that was all of the problems around Saudi Arabia. It was about the amount of backmarkers and how many went through. We chose to call our show this because, like those at the back of the pack, we do not have decades of experience. We are rookies because we are newish fans. Austin a little bit longer than me. But what I do feel about backmarkers, just like us, we have the most heart. We don't have the most experience. We have the most love, right? We're not jaded yet from Formula One, you know? We are, we're just here. We got love. So one of the things that we wanted to do on this show is every episode award our favorite backmarker of the race. Now, today poses a special interesting conundrum because there were no backmarkers by the end of the race because <laughs> everybody uh, was able to get out and lap through. So what I was thinking we could maybe do for today is someone who spent a lot of time at the back uh, and who we think who would, we would award. Do you have any thoughts on who your backmarker is this week? I mean, for me, it's got to be Zhou Guan Yu. I think he did oh, a okay. great job. I mean, sure, uh, if we're going to take the backmarker phrase a little loosely, I think he did mm -hmm. a great job in his opening race. He was confident. He had a very solidly put together, like, no crazy moment, didn't spin out, didn't seem like he locked up a lot. To be fair, I don't think he got, like, an enormous amount of TV time. But from what I saw, it seemed like it was a very competent race. And it resulted in getting himself a point. So you can't complain about that, much like how people were super hyping, hyping up Yuki last year. And, and yeah. he also scored points on his opening debut. I think it's hard to look at that performance and not think that was a solid, very, very respectable way to begin your F1 career. Yeah, I would argue that you have taken this very loosely by giving your favorite map back marker to someone who literally scored points in the race. Yeah. Uh, uh Look, uh, you know, I'm just going to say <laughs> so backmarker is an underdog. It's fine. <laughs> I will choose Mick Schumacher because okay. I think Mick had a fantastic race. Uh, he had a big spin at the start, which he recovered from in incredible fashion. And I think to finish 11th after the way the last couple of years have been for him is pretty incredible. Like Mick Schumacher... Maybe this is a weird thing to say, but like today it's almost like it's a rookie race for him because he has not had to race this way. He has not had the opportunity in the last year to race this way, to be up there fighting for places because he, basically the only person he's been fighting against was Nikita. Like that was his entire season. And so I think to see him there was great. And I think because I'll give an honorable mention on your behalf <laughs> – <laughs> to Alex Albon. I think Alex also had a great race. Albon did great today to be up at 13th compared to Latifi, who was pretty much last. So I, I would say that between the two of them as well, they had like they had really great races. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, it, 
I, I will say, even though you've taken the rules fast and loose, <laughs> it is good to, to, to call out Zhao Ganyu a little bit. Um, Zhao Ganyu, I need to get better at that. I've been trying to practice today. And I do, you know, this is one of the things I was hearing the commentators say that, like, that is his preference to have his mm. full name to, to be announced, which is cool. And I like that everybody's respecting that too. But I think that's, I'm so pleased for him. He seems like a really nice guy. He had a really great, like, uh, pre race interview where he's like, Yeah, I'm nervous, man. I got butterflies. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I love him already. I love him already. You know? Yeah, it, that was really great today to see him get something else. So, uh, Mike, I got I got a question for yeah. you. I know this is okay. not what we had planned, but if mm-hmm. we're doing backmarker of the race, do we do yep. underperformer of the race? Because there are a couple there. Ooh. I was just like, oh, okay, I'm into this. I mean, okay, the obvious answer was McLaren, right? I mean, that yes. car was trash, right? And I don't even think like, yes. sure, Lando outperformed Danny Rick for the most part, although I think ended up, uh, actually I didn't see on the on the TV coverage, but I think Danny somehow got in front of Lando. I'm not sure how that happened, but regardless, yeah. both of them did fine, I think. I think the car was ridiculously slow compared to what I think a lot of people expected. So to me, uh, that's got to be the biggest disappointment of the race. McLaren, yep. they've had such good momentum. They've been doing so well over the last couple of seasons. Really seemed like they were on the up. And then just to crash and burn, well, maybe not literally, but uh, just to calm back down to earth so hard. There's going to be some late nights over at McLaren HQ. Just like, what do we do now? Yeah, I did not no either that i don't know how it happened that ricardo got in front of norris i didn't see that at all i'm not sure what happened there maybe there was some kind of late stage canary but yeah i would agree that i mean obviously excluding red bull <laughs> the whole DNA. Whoa, whoa, whoa. okay i might be taking the rules a little liberally you cannot say <laughs> i would say the you know, for the world, for the for the reigning world champion to DNF the first race is pretty rough. But I will agree with you. I mean, I would say specifically Lando Norris, as well as just McLaren. Like, I expected a lot from Norris going into today, I, and I continue honestly to expect a lot from him for this season. Like, I really do think that for at least for the underperforming teams right now, it's way too early to count them out. Like, I wouldn't say that so much for the teams that are performing well because they may continue to perform well and they may drop mid, you know, like from top to mid. But I think it's too early to count out McLaren and Aston Martin, especially right now. I think it's going to be interesting to see where we're going uh, from there. But, yeah, I, I would say from an underperforming perspective, it is McLaren today. And I would maybe point Orlando a little more than, than Daniel because just going into the, the previous performance of what we're expecting from the two of them, on this note, what is your personal favorite thing from today's race? Oh, I want to know from you. Max and Charles going head to head, what, two, yep. three laps in a row, back and forth. That was great. It was great to see super aggressive. The fact that they didn't touch was great. And just as a sort of sub bullet to that, it's so nice that everyone's like friends again. I feel like last year there's so much toxicity and just anger and all this kind of stuff. It's like, oh, good, good job to Ferrari. Oh man, yeah, great racing. It's nice to have a little bit of that camaraderie back that I feel like we've been sorely missing over the last 12 months. So to see a proper, you know, sort of wheel-to-wheel bit of action between for the lead of the race between the Ferrari and the Red Bull. And then to see that everyone's chill. Everyone's having a good time. It's that's the way that racing should be. It shouldn't be all this bad blood and everything. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I'm really happy to see that. But yeah, for me, that sort of Ferrari and Red Bull fight for those few laps there was that was that was great to see. 
Yeah, that's what we're going to be all about on this show is like having fun with it. Like th- this shouldn't be a nasty sport. Like and we can have our favorites and we can tease and make fun and that kind of stuff. But it's this is about having fun and enjoying this thing. For me, my personal favorite thing is a top five finish for George Russell. I think that's so amazing. I'm so happy for him. You know, like I am a huge George Russell fan. I've been since, you know, Drive to Survivors really like couple of seasons ago and then really seeing him put the work in at Williams you know like and, and I wanted desperately wanted him to get that McLaren seat and I desperately wanted him to have a car that can perform for him I still believe he can get it but you know this is his highest finish in Formula One it's so close to a podium and I've got to say I bet he wasn't expecting fourth when he went into today so I think that George has got to be feeling pretty good and I'm excited to to you know once uh we're done here today to you know to go dig in to see what everybody's saying I, I really hope that he's feeling good and and I'm sure he's taking that Mercedes line of we've got to push we've got to, you know like you know they love to say it, but obviously I also love that Mercedes got on the podium but oh, I'm my. most excited about George Russell's uh top five finish today yeah, he was impressive. I think uh, there were a lot of questions about how he would measure up with Lewis, and I think most people yep. rated him really favorably. But obviously, it's one thing to you know to overperform in a Williams, and yep. you know obviously he hopped in the the Mercedes the, that one time. But I think it's a different thing to actually see going head to head, you know, quality. I think and, he and proved it today. Stuff. I think he's proven himself to be worthy of that seat yep. for sure. Whether he's he on a, Lewis's like a level, second, second and a half behind Lewis, which I think for his first race in this car. I mean, honestly, I think he's done. I think he's proven himself. Yeah, I think he's I, I well. wasn't expecting, and I don't think anybody else is expecting, him to be better than Lewis Hamilton this season. Like, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting him to put up, and I am expecting to put up a really competitive fight. I don't want to tip my hat too early, but I'm expecting some, some P1s from him this year. Yeah. I'm not that. expecting that by the end of the year, George will be above Lewis. That's not what I'm expecting. Maybe next year, maybe the year after that. But like just him holding his own should have been is what I was expecting and is what should be enough from him this year, I think. It will be very interesting. But that I think leads us nicely into our official okay. confirmed set in stone predictions for the twenty twenty two F one season. So Mike, what we okay. say here, everyone's watching, everyone's listening, what yep. we say here is set in stone. We cannot change it. Doesn't matter They're what gonna happens. They're going to live in our document as it's proof live. that we keep. Yeah. So we have to make wow. our decisions. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we've kind of set this up to be a little bit open-ended, so we don't have to necessarily say our predictions of like, you know, P1, P2, P3, or whatever. More mm-hmm. so just like we have to make a couple of hopefully bold predictions on what we think is going to happen for the rest of the year. Uh, how should we do this? Do you want to take turns? I've got, I've got three here. Yeah, let's take turns. I've got three as well. Let's okay. take turns. So I don't think this is going to be a super con- contradictory Dictory opinion, but uh, I think McLaren are going to have a very, very rough year. I don't think they're going to be P10 or P9 or P8, but I don't think they're going to come anywhere close to you know the P3s and the P4s and the constructor that they've had over the last couple of years. I think they're going to have a rough year and still lots of time to catch up, but to me, I think there's a lot going against the team right now, and I don't know if they've got enough time to really turn it around before the end of the year. All right, so I want. Can we quantify this? Sure. A little bit, like I, you know, I for, for us to be able to judge it, what are we, what are we gonna say here? What are we talking about here? I think McLaren will finish P six or lower in the constructors. That's that's my that's my guess. All right. Do you want to put that in there? I will so write it down. It. It'll be locked and loaded. P six or Austin is wrong. 
Peace, sex, or Austin is wrong. I like, <laughs> I like that as a thing. All, All right. right. So my my first is uh, I've got to go back to what I was just talking about. George Russell wins a Grand Prix in the first seven races. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So I've got six more to go. Right. So I'm hoping for quite a bit of pickup. Between now and then, but we're in the first seven races. So I will say, all right, I I wrote all my predictions down a week ago. Oh, okay. So I'm staying true. I had four. Mm. I knocked one out of it just now, which was, (laughs) I feel so sad saying which one I got rid of. Uh, (laughs) Lando Norris finishes at least fourth or fifth in the constructors. (laughs) I don't feel confident standing by that one right now. You're like, well, we're just going to let that one slide. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to let it go. Uh, But I'm going to say that George winning a Grand Prix even the first seven races is my, uh, is my, is one of my picks. And and I, I honestly, I feel pretty confident about it. I, we'll see. I can see, I don't, I don't know if I would say I would feel confident. I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, especially if Mercedes can sort of get on top of not only the porpoising, mm-hmm. but also whatever's going on with the power unit. I have absolute blind faith in Mercedes. Okay. Right? Uh, my, look, right. my bias is strong, and it may come back to bite me, right? Like, see, that's it. When everybody gets like, oh, Mike, you're being so annoying about your un- unabashed love for Mercedes, I could end up making a pick like this and then lose out on the predictions by the end of the year. So, you know, it goes... Swings and roundabouts. Look, bold predictions are what we're here for in wild mm-hmm. guesses of what's going to happen. All right. Uh, my second prediction, I actually feel fairly confident about. Has to have a great opening to the season. I think they're going to slide down the order throughout the year. Obviously, P3 is not sustainable for them in constructors. But I think they have been flattered by the Ferrari power unit. I think they're in a great spot right now. I have real doubts about whether or not they'll be able to keep up with the development throughout the year in a way that right. the other teams that are you know right at the budget cap that have all these sort of huge advantages. I mean, to be fair, has to have a lot more like wind tunnel time and whatnot. So they have some things going for them, but I think they're being sort of flattered right now. And I expect has to drop down the order. I guess if you've got to put a number on it, probably like for constructors somewhere between P5 and P7, I think they're going to end up being, I guess to sum it up, somewhere around McLaren probably by the end of the year. I think McLaren are going to come up. I think Haas are going to sort of slide down just a little bit. So I'd say between five and seven. What I would say though, if they get between five and seven and that's where they finish the season, that's pretty great for them. Absolutely. All things considered, right? With the way that things have been for them in the last couple of years. And I I want to see them around there. I would love to see them around midfield again. I think it'd be fantastic. I mean, it isn't necessarily a surprise that they have started off so strong because the last, I think it was, you know, they were one of the teams that basically spent no time developing their car last year to save that time for this year. So that's one of the reasons why they've come out of the gate with, you know, a car that has everything on it that a car needs to succeed this year. Like, I think I saw somebody say this during um, one of the testing of like, we don't know how well it's going to perform, but they have all the bits. Yeah. You know, they have everything on that car that the other teams seem to believe is going to help for them. Haas have it too. So, you know, I, I, I really hope, I really hope. And honestly, I hope that this year gets them a good enough place that they get another big sponsor come in to help a them sponsor. continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong. I feel like has. But I think even if you're right, well. that's great though. Like mid mid of the pack. Absolutely. But they spent what the last two years at the bottom, at least last year for sure. 
I know, but I also just think it's going to be, they're going to sort of slide down the order throughout the year. I think that's just the thing. I think they're going to be regular points sort of contenders for the first few races and then sort yeah, of slide yeah. a little bit. But, and that uh, will hurt, right? Like that, yeah. that, that's one of those things that they make an episode of Drag to Survive about, you know? Yep. Like yep. they haven't, it's such good writing. And then like, well, midway through the season, they're slipping down the pack. Like, oh, and then, you know, like things I can't say on this show, my Gunther Steiner <laughs> impression, which I've been working on. And I can share that with you later on. I look, right, look so forward to it. My second prediction is Ferrari finished second in the Constructors' Championship. Oh, wait. Wait, is this tied to a separate prediction where Mercedes finished first or something? Nope. Okay, just it is second. that I don't know who's going to. I <laughs> can't make my decision, but I think Ferrari have come second. Oh man, I mean, now, it's I- interesting after today, right? So this is what I'm saying, right? You can see Mike's predictions written a week ago. He hasn't changed them. So I feel like today someone wouldn't make that prediction, right? They might say Ferrari finishes first. I just feel like, especially with today, we have not seen what the other two teams can truly do. From sure. a reliability perspective, Red Bull and Mercedes are on the back foot. Something that we would expect teams of their caliber to be able to iron out. Have Ferrari gotten it in such a place that they will only go up from here? Maybe. Maybe we're back to Ferrari dominance. I would say that that would feel a bit bold to me to, to at this point still say I think Ferrari's going to be number one. I think Ferrari at number two would be a good result for them. Uh, it'd be a a big improvement for them over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, And so that's where I'm going to, if I was going to make that guess, that's where I'd put them. I mean, I don't think it's a crazy guess. I, I, as of right now, I think Ferrari are the favorites and Red Bull and Mercedes especially really need to catch up. That being said though, I think there's a lot of pace in that Red Bull that we haven't necessarily fully seen. I think there's a lot more, really, there's pace in all these cars. The more time they have on track, the more the teams can really understand, start adding bits and bobs and probably get you know yelled at by the FIA or whatever. Like There's a lot more that yeah, I think yeah. we're going to see. But I think Ferrari are very, very strongly positioned right now. So, P2, I think, is that's that's conservative, but you made your predictions late. I mean, early. I made them five minutes before we started recording. So, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What's conservative about it? I think Ferrari are probably, as of this moment, the favorites for Constructor. I mean, obviously. So then got... saying that they're going to finish second is not conservative. Yeah, you, you could have been bolder. You could have made the bold decision. You could have said. I feel Ferrari no, P1. but you're saying Ferrari are favorite, right? So Ferrari yeah. a favorite, the conservative to say, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to run away with the thing. I'm coming in here and being like, no, no, no. Oh, so your bet is that Ferrari are going to like crumble. Oh, okay. Maybe. Right, or that somebody right. else is just going to come storm in here. You know? That's Look, man, I'm, I'm not here to, to judge your decisions. Uh, I'm you just are, here. though. Well, You're doing okay. it. So my last prediction is, uh, hmm, I should put this, uh, a very conservative one. I think we will have a proper three-way title fight by the summer break i think we'll see all three teams now there might be a little bit of a disparity you know based on you know if red bull and and ferrari have a ton of points early but i think we will by summer break regularly see the three teams mixing it up for wins right that's that's my big prediction i do think that everyone's going to come together because there's so much potential Mm -hmm. in these cars that no one has tapped yet and all three teams have not only just the, the, the budgets, but just like the, the brain power behind it, I think, to really pull this together. So very, very safe one, I think, in my opinion. But I don't think we're going to see a runaway this year. 
Now, maybe we quote that for our season-ending episode where Ferrari won by 500 points, but I think we're going to see <laughs> by some proper... the season, Ferrari constructs as champion. Because <laughs> <No>, uh, <laughs> the other cars just keep exploding. No, I, I completely agree with you. I, I was thinking this myself too uh, within the last week or so that I think it's going to happen and how exciting it will be if this is what happens. Like that we, you know, uh, it was great last year that the... Can, that the drivers' championship was finished, you know, was concluded in the final race of the season. I hope we see more like that. You know, it really builds excitement towards, as the season goes on and variance, and it makes it fun. You know, you're not seeing the same one, two, three, one, two, three. You know, or like oh, it's just these three guys, just in a slightly separate order on occasion. Like, I think that it's pretty great that we we could be in a case where we're going to see all three of these teams regularly mixing it up. Like, I think that's going to be pretty awesome as the as the season progresses. And I think that you're I think you're perfectly on it with that. All right, what's your last prediction, Mike? Hit us. Daniel Ricciardo leaves McLaren. <sighs> Ooh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, are you going to give me more clarification on that? Are, is he? Out of F one or out of McLaren? Because I think there's I a big think, difference there. Yeah, I, I I don't think Daniel Daniel Ricciardo's out of F one. Like okay. I think he will want to continue, and a team will pick him up. Uh, but I think that we are set at the moment for a Red Bull like situation with McLaren, where they Ooh. are trying to find their second driver for their Max Verstappen. Like, and I'm not saying that McLaren are at that level, but they have put all of the chips on Norris, right? Like he is in, what is it, like for like another five years or something? That's, McLaren? dude, I was thinking about that. So right as the race finished and just trying to go over like stuff to talk about for the show today, one of the things that really jumped out to me, we've got a number of, I think would be classified as what, like future or current superstars, right? You've got like Max, you've got George, you've got Lando and you've got uh, uh, Charles, right? Like you've got these guys all locked down on fairly long contracts. I'm not sure how long Russell's is, but I know that pretty much everyone else is signed for a multi, multi-year sort of deal. And while that seems great right now, and obviously they're on probably fat, fat paychecks, you got to yep. think Lando is a great example. If McLaren are as bad as they might be this year, he's just signed up himself up for years and years yep. of pain. Obviously, yep. I'm sure most, if not all drivers have some get out clauses or whatever. And you know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. But I do think there are risks to these mega long contracts. Whereas, oh, yeah. you know, uh, for all that uh, Lando knows, the Red Bull seat or the Mercedes seat or Ferrari seat or whatever could be up next year and he's locked in. So, Because uh, like was- in two years time, Lewis could retire, right? And then Lando would be incredible to go in there, but you can't do it. Yeah, exactly. Unless, you know, something happens and he can break it. But it seems unlikely that a driver will be able to break out. It's more likely that the team can break out, right? Like that would be my assumption for how that kind of stuff works because... I mean, the teams were right in the contract, right? Like, I, I don't know. Nobody really knows. It's, this seems like one of the dark arts of Formula One is what <laughs> happened. Those contracts, right? Yeah. But my expectation is that, you know, McLaren are putting everything on Lando, right? They want to do what Red Bull has done. That's kind of how I imagine Zach Brown's looking at this, right? We have our young guy and he's incredibly good and he's only getting better and we are getting better as a team current season excluded so far i could imagine them they are trying to find the right person for orlando i think they thought they had it in daniel ricardo i think last season maybe proved that they didn't (sighs) because i mean daniel i love daniel ricardo he's a great guy right and he seems like you know a, a very talented driver 
but I feel like in you know I've been following F1 closely for about three years now, and with Drive to Survive as a bit more of a background, it feels like there is a constant thing around Daniel of like, oh, he's just got to settle into the car because he moves around a lot, right? Like he's moved around a lot. Yeah, it's like oh, he'll just settle into the car, and he has yet to seem to actually do that. I mean. I will say, like, towards the end of last season, he seemed like he was settling in, right? Like, he got a race win. But now, I mean, he's had a rough start, and I hope things pick up for him. But I'm expecting that if I'm McLaren, I want to try and find someone who can more closely match Lando, help Lando, help the team. And if they if they do end up where they were for most of last season, with there being quite a gap between the two of them, I don't know if they... I, I would assume they might want to shuffle things around a bit depending on who might become available. Man, this is so tough. I, I don't disagree in my head. I disagree with my heart. I, I still mm. feel like Danny Rick is... I don't want this to happen. Yeah. Like, <sighs> yeah. I This is one where if I'm wrong, I'll be happy I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because that means that Danny's had a good season, you know? I, I guess my fear is if it doesn't work with McLaren this year he might just dip. I don't know how, like, where would he move? How many different teams he go through in a few years? Yeah. I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. think someone of his age, I don't think he could. Like, because you look at some of these other drivers, right, yeah. that they know they're going into situations that are not going to mean they're ever going to win the world championship, right? You look at someone like Kimi Raikkonen, right? You look at Seb, right? But they can't let it go. This is what, like, they're made for. And I just, you know, the way that he talks about racing, I can't imagine him dipping. Like, I can imagine that he would, like, he'd take a Williams seat if he had to, just so he can stay in the game for a little bit longer. And I think a lot of guys would do that. Maybe, but also... Or I go think, and drive NASCAR or something. He seems to really love NASCAR. Actually, you know what? Know. Never mind. I've changed my mind. I'm excited for Danny Rick's future NASCAR career. <laughs> That'll be great. Never mind. I'm super, super happy. Look, uh, it's it's tough to see. I think Danny Rick is a guy who has enormous potential and really did well in the Red Bull environment. And it just feels like he hasn't really found his spot. And you're right. Everyone always tries to like point like, oh, he hasn't done this or he needs to settle in or this or that. But it's like, it's hard to see what the problem is because I don't want to be disrespectful to him. But lots of other drivers switch teams, switch cars, and are on the pace instantly or very quickly and mm-hmm. it's like i don't know if it's because danny rick spent so many years learning the red bull car and the red bull style and that that just sort of is ingrained in him and it makes it more difficult i don't understand it i don't want to pretend that i do but i think there's a clear issue there with what is whatever's going on is just not working and i hope he gets it sorted i hope the mclaren are able to pull it out and, and kind of get back on on pace and maybe mclaren this actually might be a good thing for danny rick because if he's maybe not super on the pace maybe at least they want some continuity if they have a rough year i, I really don't yeah. know but good point that's tough it's tough man i don't know i i look forward to his nascar career regardless of whenever he starts it <laughs> All right, so those are our predictions. I think we'll follow those through. You know, who knows? We might end up with a couple of these. Well, we'll know some of them will come true or not within by half a year, right? So that'll be fun to kind of follow those through as the rest of the season goes. So to wrap it up today's episode, uh, I would say biggest takeaways. Biggest takeaways for me, like I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Red Bull uh, next weekend because we've got another race next week. Um, And I'm also really intrigued to see uh, if anything happens with Mercedes, I think Ferrari, they're, they're going to be great, right? They're going to be in it. They're in it to win it. Those two teams now, I'm going to be really intrigued next week to see if or what changes have come uh, come about for them. 
What yeah. Yeah, I I am going to be really curious to see now that I feel personally pretty good about the cars, right? I feel like again, I had huge question marks going into this yep. year, but it yep. seems like they've got this thing nailed down. These cars are better at passing or not necessarily better passing, but better at following and stuff. Like a lot of the things that sort of the the FIA were aiming to do seems like they accomplished. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. hugely good news. Yep. My big thing I'm going to be watching for for the next couple of races is how stable is the order. If we see a mm. bunch of repeats of just, you know, Ferrari and, you know, Red Bull just leaving everyone behind or Mercedes picking up, I think it's very possible. But also, I'm curious to see, especially with the midfield, it feels like the midfield is where there's yep. huge variance and that it's hard to say what's the, you know, if you, you know, go past, you know, the top three, what's the fourth or the fifth or the sixth fastest team? You can take some educated guesses, but I think it's going to vary wildly between track to track. So I really want to see is Haas able to sort of dominate a little bit. Mercedes car is just not flattered by Bahrain. Yep. Bunch of bunch of questions there. But my big thing that I just really I want to see is what the next three, four races are going to show us to get a little bit of a more complete picture of what 2022 is really going to look like on the F1 side. Yeah, I want to dig into that just a little bit before we finish the episode today. So we've got... You know, in third, Haas and Alfa Romeo, Alpine and Alfa Tauri is the only point scorers. And then Aston Williams, McLaren and Red Bull all at zero points. Now, obviously, 7, 8, 9, 10. Some of those are going to score points. I think Red Bull are probably going to score some points. That's an easy prediction. (laughs) (laughs) So I I, with you, right? Like, what is that going to look like over the next few weeks, right? Like, we can probably assume somebody else is going to take third place. Haas would be... I cannot believe that, right? Like, so where is that going to end up? Are Alpha going to remain so high up? Alpine, maybe I'd expect a little bit more out of Alpine as well. So, uh, but I'm, I'm, all, I'm with you on that one, actually. I'm going to be really intrigued to see where that, where that ends up going, especially because for a lot of this race, which I really loved, the cars were really bunched up. Like, especially at the start, like, yeah, you know, it took some time for stuff to start spreading out, which again made for some really exciting racing. Austin, I think we're in for a great season. I'm so happy that we started the show this year. Like, I really, really am. I mean, honestly, because I would have hated to have covered the final of the season last year. So like, <laughs> I'm really pleased we started this year because I don't know how I would have done that. So I, I'm really happy we're starting now. No, absolutely, man. So I'm very excited. If you've enjoyed this very first episode of The Backmarkers, you know where to watch us. Live on YouTube after every single mm-hmm. race, or you can yep. listen to this now in audio form by going to relay.fm slash backmarkers, or you can watch the full video version live on a YouTube channel after the races. So feel free to subscribe, follow, ringling the dingling bell, whatever it is that makes your heart yep. content. And we will see you Look next time. YouTuber. There we go. See, we gotta be we gotta be cool with the kids, Mike. We gotta be cool yeah. with the kids. We're also on Twitter as well. We're at Backmarkers Live. We want to hear your thoughts uh, about the race. We want to hear your thoughts about the show. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you want to hear more of, and we can bring that into future episodes as well. And share the show with your friends. If you have friends that are new to F1, this is what we're all about, right? We are all about a podcast for new fans. So until next time, say goodbye, Austin Evans. Goodbye and hello to F1 2022.